there's this blindness that has come that has prevented them from seeing the beauty, the desirability, the wonder, the awe, the attractiveness of a God who sacrifices himself for you. I want to really dig into what spiritual death is, what spiritual deadness is. What is it at its core? How can we see it? How can we put our finger on it? How can we know with confidence that we're talking about spiritual deadness in the same sense that the Bible is talking about spiritual deadness? So to understand this, I think it's really helpful to begin with how Paul is going to treat this a little bit later in the same letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, look with me here in your notes. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, you might recognize there that there's a theme. Wrath, sons of disobedience, both of those terms were used in the passage I just read. So Paul has on his mind here the same things that he had on his mind at at chapter 2 that we just read. So therefore, he says, do not become partners with them. In other words, spiritually dead. Do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were in darkness. So here's this idea of darkness. And Paul uses that as a description of who they were outside of a relationship with Christ. Now, this idea of darkness, what does darkness mean to us? Darkness really is closely related to to something we'd say blindness. Darkness really is just the inability to see, the inability to perceive. It's it's being in a condition of being unable to perceive what's around you. Look at what he says a little bit earlier in Ephesians chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. So here's again that idea of darkness or an inability to perceive or an inability to see or interact properly. And the darkness is in their understanding. They are, as Paul says, alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God sounds just like spiritual deadness to me. Alienated from the life of God because, and the reason is, of their ignorance in them. Ignorance is closely tied together with the futility of their mind, their inability to see and understand and perceive. So we've got this idea of darkness, blindness, and how it affects the mind and the understanding, and it prevents a seeing, a perception, it prevents an understanding. But now look with me on the next page at 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 would be a great passage to commit to memory because this verse is fundamental for understanding what spiritual deadness is. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, here's what Paul says, In their case... Speaking of those who are spiritually dead, in their case, the God of this world has blinded them. But he's blinded what? Not their eyes. He's blinded the minds. He's blinded the minds of the unbelievers or spiritually dead. And what has he blinded them to do? To keep them from seeing, not seeing with their eyes, because he's talking about a blindness of mind. 
He's not talking about an inability of, of eyeballs to see. He's talking about a blindness of the mind to understand. He's blinded their minds and kept them from seeing what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. And that, in a nutshell, is spiritual deadness. It is an inability to perceive the light, or I'll use another word, beauty, or the attractiveness, or the desirability of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the news that God became your sin, that God became your ugly sinfulness and was punished for your sin on the cross. That's the news, that's the, that's the truth, the reality of a God who sacrificed himself for us. That's the gospel. That is what Paul will say to the Corinthians is foolishness to those who are spiritually dead. The cross is foolishness to those who are, are, are not spiritually alive. And so the God of this world, Paul says, there's this blindness that has come that has prevented them from seeing the beauty, the desirability, the wonder, the awe, the attractiveness of a God who sacrifices himself for you. And being blind to that and unable to perceive that you then are unable to react appropriately to it. That's spiritual deadness. So we know that the world around us in which we live, there, there are stimulus, stimuli is the plural there, stimuli in the world around us. You know, stimuli, I'm not talking about uh, the government giving you $700 that really cost you $2,000 later. I'm talking about what stimulus really means, which a, a stimulus is something outside of you that acts upon you and causes an uh, subconscious reaction, I should say. An automatic reaction, that's a better word. A stimulus is something that acts upon you and causes an automatic reaction. Uh, some stimulus, some stimuli, we might think of would be light. Light is a stimulus. What does light do? Causes your eyes to dilate, right? When the light gets brighter, your eyes dilate. Has anybody ever thought, wow, that, that light's pretty bright. I, for, oh, I forgot to dilate my eyes. No, it's, it happens without you thinking. It's automatic. It's a response to a stimulus that's automatic. Your body properly responds by dilating the eyes. Or uh, heat would be another response. What's the body's automatic response to heat? Yeah. The body's automatic response to heat is sweat, right? So has anybody ever thought, I'm, I'm pretty, oh, I forgot to start sweating. <laughs> yeah, I'll cool off now. Let me start sweating. Nobody's ever, because it's an automatic reaction, okay? So those are, what's, that's what a stimulus is. It's something that is outside of you that acts upon you that causes this automatic reaction. And that is how we think of spiritual life. Spiritual life is perceiving spiritual realities in such a way that there is a response that's an automatic response to that spiritual reality. Now, having explained that, let me show you in the scriptures how that reality 
is all over your Bibles. Take a look with me at John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this seeing can't happen unless there's life. Or John 5 and verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and then responds in what way? Believes. Or John 8 and verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. So there again is is more visual language. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have life. So you see there, and that, that sort of thing, literally your Bible is covered up with language like that. There's this type of perceiving something spiritual. And then there is a response to that that comes from those who have spiritual life. But the response doesn't come from those who have spiritual death because they are blinded to the glory, to the beauty, to the desirability of a God who sacrifices himself for his people. So anybody know what the patellar reflex is? I know what you know. You know what the patellar reflex is, right? What is it? Knee jerk. Yeah. So that's become sort of a cliche, knee jerk. But what the term really means is the patellar reaction or the reflex. And what that is, I did a lot of studying on the patellar reflex this week, and it's pretty, actually it's pretty interesting. I got intrigued by it. But the patellar is a tendon right here, right here below your kneecap, right? So we've all sat on that stupid doctor's bench with the paper on it, and he pulls the paper and you sit there, and he's got his little rubber hammer, and he taps. And what happens? Somebody else's leg takes over because it ain't yours, right? You know what I'm talking about? This jerk that happens, and you're like, what in the world? It didn't even feel like your leg, did it? Well, that's the patellar reflex. What the patellar reflex is, is that is a reflex of your nervous system. In some way, your body, when that, when, that, when that particular tendon is given stimulus of the rubber hammer, your body thinks that you are losing balance in that way, and it reacts by flexing your quadricep. And it's really interesting how it does that, there's these neurons in your quadricep and there's neurons in your hamstring and instantly your body tells your hamstring to flex at the same time it it tells your quadricep to flex at the same time it tells your hamstring to relax so that your quadricep flexes all the way. Now that reaction is generated where? Anybody know? No. In your spinal cord. It doesn't even get to your brain which is why it's so fast and so foreign feeling. Isn't that interesting? Because your brain never gets the signal before it happens. Your spinal cord gets the signal and your spinal cord reacts before your brain knew that the stimulus happened. That's why it feels so weird and so foreign because even subconsciously you never thought about it. Right? Isn't, isn't that fascinating? You can tell all your friends what you learned at church on Sunday about the patella reflex. So that reflex, folks, is spiritual life. That is the best description I can give you of spiritual life. It is one who is alive to God, who perceives a spiritual reality in the beauty of Jesus, the desirability of God, the desirability of a life of holiness, the desirability of life with God, the 
awesomeness of a God who dies for you, the spiritually alive see that and react. And the reaction is not a process. It's not, oh, let me think about this. It's react. Now, that reaction can be faked. Just like you can fake your leg. on the, If the doctor missed and didn't hit it, and you didn't want to make him feel like this was his first week at work, and you did the reaction anyway, you could, you could fake it, couldn't you? You think he could tell? You bet he could tell. It might look close, but he could tell. See a connection? The same thing can be faked in the pew. Because we know, don't we, what the appropriate spiritual reaction should be. And it can be really easy to fake. And many can be very good at faking it. And this is why the scriptures tell us only God knows the heart. And this is why spiritually dead people can never be thought of as those who are spiritually careless or inactive or those who are cold-hearted, or those who have no time for God. Look with me at John chapter 11, verse 43. John chapter 11, verse 43. All the miracles of Jesus are illustrating one thing. Anybody know what that is? Salvation. All the miracles of Jesus, in one sense or another, are an illustration of salvation in some way. But the premier miracle that's the illustration of salvation is, you guessed it, Lazarus come forth. That's, that's the premier miracle that's illustrating salvation. So look at that. Lazarus, come forth. What does Lazarus do? Did he think about it? Did he think, was that Jesus I just heard? I haven't quite gotten my nap out yet. Maybe another day here in the tomb. There was a voice Lazarus recognized the voice of his his shepherd and he reacted. And he came forth out of the place of dead. That is spiritual life. When there is a spiritual stimuli, there's the voice of the Savior. And those with spiritual life hear it and respond. Look at Ezekiel 11, verse 19. I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So Ezekiel here is not talking about a heart of flesh in the sinful sense of of Paul's use of flesh. He's talking about flesh in the sense of the opposite of stone, of malleable, of shapeable, of teachable, of workable. And God says, those whom I give spiritual life to, I will give them a heart of flesh That's a heart that I can move, that will will respond to my touch, that will move in my hand. It won't be this piece of stone. It'll be shapeable and malleable in my hand. They will hear my voice and they will respond. Or look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a wonderful description of spiritual life. But if Christ is in you, that sounds like spiritual life. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, so even there we have physical death, The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if there's spiritual life in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So that sounds like those who react to the call of the shepherd have spiritual life. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Is there a more primary response, stimulus response interaction than that of a child who feels need or hunger or fear and cries out to a parent? Is that not the most basic of all stimulus reaction sort of things? The child who feels hungry or scared or needful in some way cries out to the parent. And Paul says that is spiritual life. When you feel hunger or need or fear, you cry out to your father. Or Genesis 3 and verse 9 through 10. This is the opposite. This is what spiritual death looks like. But the Lord God said to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So Adam, who once had spiritual life, and God would call to him, and he would come. Now that he has spiritual death, God calls to him, and the proper reaction is not there. The opposite is there, to hide himself. Mark 8, 17 and 18, Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes you don't see, and having ears you do not hear? This language is all over your Bibles. The language of a spiritual perception and the appropriate reaction to that equals spiritual life versus the spiritual reality and the heart that doesn't perceive it or the heart that doesn't react to it. What do you call what do you what do you call something that's dead that acts like it's alive? What's the word for that? Yep. Yeah. A zombie ghost that's something that's actually dead that acts alive what's the thing about zombies why do people make movies and shows about them because they're spooky they're creepy the whole idea of ghosts remember the disciples on the boat when they thought jesus was a ghost i mean that's a creepy sort of paranormal uncomfortable sort of thing something that has no life that acts as though it does have life is not something pleasant. I wonder if that's how the spiritually dead who pretend to have spiritual life look to God. I wonder if they look as unnatural to God as a ghost would look to us. But we'll end with this question. The the guaranteed method of determining your own deadness. Because see, don't don't get confused. Paul's point here is not to equip you so that you can run around with all the people in your life and recognize who's spiritually dead and who's spiritually alive. That's not Paul's point. Paul's point is for you to be equipped to look into your own heart and recognize spiritual life or recognize that you don't even know how to look for it or you don't see it. That's Paul's point. How do you recognize or how do you affirm spiritual life within yourself? So how is it? How is, what is the one thing that I could say that just bar none absolutely means you have spiritual life? And I think I would say it was this. This whole teaching that Paul is giving to us, the teaching that you are dead, 
Apart from Christ, you are dead. That teaching will have one of two effects on you. Either it will create joy within you to recognize what God has done, or it will stir up resentment in your heart. I'm not dead. That's other people, not me. If this teaching from Paul stirs in your heart some type of resentment, he's not talking about me. Bear in mind, in two verses, he's going to say, and the rest of mankind together. He's talking about all people. If that's something that grates against you, this teaching that all are dead apart from Christ, that's a signal that there's no spiritual life. Because spiritual life in us will hear that truth and respond to say, praise be. Praise him. Praise him who called me out of the tomb. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word.